My name is Bill. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, hey, good to see you uh, in person. If you're in one of our video overflows, good to see you. And online, I just posted a message in the chat section, and I need you to help us online, all right? So we're going to start today with a little game of true or false, all right? Online is going to play with us as well. Uh, So here's the question, all right? The question is this. Mount Everest is the highest mountain in the world, Right, so true or false, here's what I want you to do. In the chat section, they're typing in true or false. I want you right here, or if you're in our video overflows, to just respond, all right? So if you think that that's true, I want you to say true, all right? And then when you think it's false, I'm going to say false, all right? So if you think it's true, who thinks it's true? True, True? okay. If you think it's false? False. (laughs) All right, online, let's see, online, uh, most of you think it's true, 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 that's right. Uh, guess what? It's false. <laughs> it is, if you said false, it's false, it depends upon how you measure it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I see some of you said false, and now you're like, yeah, yes, false, all right. <laughs> next question, all right, online, same thing, play along with us, all right, uh, next question, You can see the Great Wall of China from space. True or false? All right. No, no, no. Okay. Who thinks it's true? Let me hear you. All right. Those of you think it's false? False. Okay. Actually, if you said false, (laughs) I heard someone say it depends on how you measure it. (laughs) Uh, Actually, from the naked eye, Chinese astronauts have confirmed that you cannot see the Great Wall of China from outer space. It is false. That's right. Okay. Another question. Here you go. Putting your phone in rice is the best way to dry it out. Okay. Whoa, we're passionate about that one. All right. If you think it's true, and if you think it's false, actually, Apple just this week released a statement. It is not the best way to dry out your phone. That's fake news. Some of you that have had your phone locked away for a week in rice, you're like, oh, it's disappointing. You know, it, it, it's one thing to believe some fake news and to lose your phone for a week. But sometimes believing something that's false can have dire consequences. It can have serious consequences to believe fake news. A great example of this is in the country where I come from, in the United States, a couple of years ago, there was something called the Pizzagate problem. It happened at a, at a pizza parlor where they served pizza called Comet Ping Pong. And Comet Ping Pong, a well-meaning guy, arrived and opened fired on everyone in the pizza parlor. He was convinced that Comet Ping Pong was the hub of a child trafficking ring. He had researched it online and found all sorts of information to support, and he was trying to liberate these children that were being oppressed that actually didn't even exist. It was fake news that was started six months before, and that fake news had been perpetuated so many times. Algorithms had got a hold of it, and people had thought that it was real, and he acted on it. The small silver lining to this gray cloud is that nobody was injured at Comet Ping Pong. 
But you see, believing something that's not true to be true can have dire consequences. And in our world of deep fakes and catfishing, how are we to know what's really true? I mean, how can we prevent ourselves from being led astray to believe fake news when it's actually not? We're going to talk today about the good life, about the good life of how we can know for certain what is true. And we're going to talk today about how we can find out the good life as far as what we believe. And in some sense, this this is an in-house conversation. This is how do we know as Jesus followers, as Christians, what is true? Because the information about Jesus is a matter of eternal life and eternal death. And we're going to see today, so if you're a Jesus follower and you're here today or you're watching online, you may have questions of how do I know what's really true? We're going to talk about that today. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're here exploring what that means, we're really glad that you're here. And this is an open place to ask questions. In fact, today's message has sparked a lot of really good conversations already. And if you're not a Jesus follower, you can listen to this inside conversation because People that don't follow what we're talking about, Christians that don't speak up towards sound doctrine like we're going to talk about today, they're the ones that you see on YouTube and you think, ugh, how does that Christian come up with that wacky idea? That is just crazy. I want to say that not all crazy ideas represent Jesus Christ. And we're going to see today how we can continue to focus in on what is true in this journey Because when we focus on what's true, it leads us to the good life. So we're going to ask three questions today as we talk about speaking up towards sound doctrine. And as we talk about speaking up towards sound doctrine, this is uh, not to have arguments about different religious faiths and different perspectives. In fact, we encourage dialogue when it comes to different faiths and different perspectives. And we want to listen and have a heart that's open and and listening. No, but we're going to zoom in today as followers of Jesus How do we know what Christian teaching is? How can we understand that in the midst of everything that's going on? So here's the three questions as we speak up towards sound doctrine. Number one, why should we speak up? Number two, who should we speak up against? And number three, how do we do it? How are we to speak up? And one of the number one questions that is asked of fellowship when it comes to people online and viewing things online, and maybe you're online right now, and you have another window open, and you're watching some other sources. There's so many sources that we have for input in our lives. How do we know which one is really true? Have you ever thought about that? You're watching a YouTube video, and you're like, how do I know this is really true? How do I know this isn't, this, this isn't fake news when it comes to what God says? In fact, we did a survey. We had over 1,600 responses. Here's just a couple of them on the screen as far as sources of spiritual input into the lives of people that call Fellowship Church their home church. We had hundreds of different responses. And one of the questions many times asked is, Pastor, how do I know what's, is, is this good? Is this not good? Can you give me a list of approved sources and a list of, uh, of banned sources? And, and we're going to talk about that at, our, at the end of our time together. All right, but first of all, we're going to get into the book of Titus. And as we get into the book of Titus, we see that a guy named Paul wrote this to uh, Titus who's on the island of Crete. He's on this isolated island, and there's some false teaching going on in the island. And he's going to talk about why we should speak up towards sound doctrine in the first place. 
All right, let's get into Titus chapter 1, starting with verse 9. Uh, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. And Titus 1.10 paints a picture of the type of people that are to be rebuked, the ones that are to be spoken against. First of all, they're insubordinate. Um, they're, they're, they completely have a disregard. They refuse to submit to God through uh, people in the church that were talking to them on the island of Crete. They're empty talkers. They're pointless. They're unthoughtful, kind of shooting from the hip. They're, they're wicked. They're speaking, and they speak a whole lot without thinking, not just because they're absent-minded, but actually with the intent to deceive, that they have the intent to deceive misleading. In the Greek, mislead uh, or deceive means somebody who says that wrong is right. We know them today as a modern-day scam artist. On the island of Crete, in the time that this was written, if these uh, deceivers had mobile phones and could send messages, they would have received an SMS that says that the Crete Postal Service is trying to deliver you a package. You have to click here and give your credit card information. (laughs) Have you received a message like that? If you haven't, don't click on it, okay? (laughs) I mean, scam artists, have you you been called by scam artists before? Yeah. And sometimes the scam artists are really good. You know what makes a really good scam artist really good? They're really believable. And they come across as someone from the inside. They come across as someone that, that can validate some of their claims. In fact, that's the group that Paul is addressing here. He's saying especially those of the circumcision party, those of the inside. They're on the inside from within the group, but they're not sound, but they sound enough like the insider group to lead people astray. Look what he says in verse 11. He continues to paint a picture of these false teachers. He says, They must be silenced. Why? Why should they be silenced? Since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. He says that they are upsetting whole families. Whole families could mean either households that are all together or house churches of people coming together within homes. He says it's as if there's this banquet table that is laid out in community, that the community is surrounding around this banquet table and they're going to enjoy the good life together. the good life together, and then all of a sudden the false teachers come and flip over the table, upsetting the whole good life of the community. He says the the very structure, uh, they're not just one group of people, it's actually whole entire families that are being upset, and and nobody wants to be upset. He says that's what false teaching does, is it it stirs people up in dissension, and and he, he says no, they have to be silenced because they're upsetting whole families. And so that, that's why we're talking today about speaking up towards sound doctrine. When we say speak up towards sound doctrine, the, the reason that sound doctrine is so important is that right belief shapes our behavior and behavior shapes our lifestyle. And so doctrine that is settling, belief systems that, that root us, when we know the truth of what God has told us, we find ourselves deeply settled instead of always looking for more. 
So that's answering the first question. Why do we speak up? We speak up because false teaching is disruptively dangerous. False teaching is disruptively dangerous. It, it leaves us, instead of with our feet on solid ground, it leaves us always unsure. Instead of rightly connected in a relationship with God and finding deep satisfaction in that, it, it leaves us always wondering and wandering. Sound doctrine connects us with our Creator. So that's why we speak up. We speak up because we want stability. We speak up because it's disruptively dangerous. But against whom should we speak up towards sound doctrine? Against whom? Who, who are we to speak up against? This is written to church leaders. And so we here at Fellowship as church leaders, we speak up. You lead in your own context, in your own families. You lead in your offices. You lead in your friendship circles. You lead. So against whom exactly are we to speak up? Well, we know that, the, that there's people out there that are deceivers, liars. They're doing it for their own gain. But Paul continues to clarify, who are we to speak up against? Here's the problem of false teachers. The problem of false teachers on the island of Crete and today is that false teachers look more like the culture than like Jesus Christ. They look more like the culture than like Jesus Christ. And then Paul paints a picture of the culture on the island of Crete, Okay. So it's one of the Cretans, it was probably a guy named Epimenides who lived 500 years before this was written. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, says this. He says, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. <laughs> Imagine coming from a culture where everyone is known as liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. <laughs> He says, that's what's happening with these false teachers, is, is they're teaching ways that, that are liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. The, the Cretans were known as being liars. They actually had taken religion at the time. They even took the Greek myths and said, no, there's no such thing as Greek gods. The Greek gods were actually humans. And, and the humans, and you know one of the famous Greek gods, Zeus? Guess where they said Zeus was born? On their island. And I'm assuming for a small fee, they could show you the birth, birthplace of Zeus. <laughs> And they completely manipulated religion for their own gain. All right? Not only were they liars, but they were evil beasts. On a small island, there weren't that many wild animals. All right? There, there weren't a lot of wild animals or wild beasts. But everyone around the region would say that the, the island is full of wild beasts. And there are so many wild people that act beastly towards one another, they don't need any wild animals on the island. In fact, everybody on the island was known as they would fight, they would start wars against each other, they would have piracy rampant in the seas around the island, everybody was just in total conflict. And they said, the people are wild enough, they don't need any wild animals. And they're also known as lazy gluttons. Just a little bit more was never enough for the people here. They would overindulge on everything, because what happened on the island of Crete stayed on the island of Crete. They were partying it up, and it was expensive, which is why they were always finding themselves trying to scam each other out of money. And so Paul is saying the teaching that's inside the church, those who claim to be Christian, those who claim to be Jesus followers, actually are just like the culture outside of the church. And so the good life, the good life happens when the church of Jesus looks like Jesus, not like the culture around. 
And so we have to be careful that actually we as a community of Jesus are to look like Jesus' culture, not just the culture around us, not our home culture. And so that's why we go to God's word and we say, we're going to listen to God about the things of God because who is the expert on God? God, that's right. Yeah. God is the expert on God. He's, he's already told us about himself. So, so let's get to know God through uh, what he's already told us. Now, before we go out and we, we start saying, oh, good, Let, let's see who, who disagrees with me. I'm going to say that they are a heretic. I'm going to speak up against them. And uh, Wait, just hold your horses just a second here. Because we have to understand that culture also shapes our understanding of the Bible, even though we say, as Jesus followers, we are people of the book, we love the Bible, we have to come in with some humility to realize that culture, where we've grown up, actually shapes our understanding of the Bible. Do you know that? Yeah, there, Jesus tells a story uh, of, of a man who <laughs> tells his father, essentially, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me everything of my inheritance now, and I'm going to go off, and I'm going to spend that. And he goes off to this foreign land. He spends everything. Uh, he finds himself really hungry, and it's a story of restoration. If you haven't grown up in church and you haven't read the story, it's a beautiful story about how anyone, no one is too far away from God, that he runs to us. In fact, we did a sermon, Pastor Tim did a sermon uh, a couple weeks ago. Catch that online, all right, in Luke 15. But here's the question in Luke 15, all right? It says, he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything, all right? This guy was starving in the story. A seminary professor that traveled all around the world, uh, he was a guy that was teaching other people how to teach the Bible, he would ask uh, a question to people. And I'm going to have you ask the question. If you haven't, uh, I'm going to have you answer the question. If you haven't read the story, uh, whether you're online or you're here, if you haven't read the story, that's okay. If someone asks you, why is the young man starving? You can just say, I don't know. What do you think? All right? And let them do the talking. All right? So here's what I want you to do. Turn to the person next to you, if you've heard this story before, and answer the question, why is the young man starving, all right? Online, just write in your responses online, all right? Ready? Go. All right. Okay, why is the young man starving? All right, in, uh, he asked the question in North America first. All right, that's where he started. He started in North America. He says, why is the young man starving? Uh, as he traveled the world, the answer, over 90% of people who teach the Bible, 90% of the people said, because he squandered it, right? Because he spent it all, right? Show of hands, who said that in their group? Yeah, okay, yeah, all right. Yep, he spent all of his money. That's what you said online too. Yep, he left his father's house and spent everything. That's right, yeah. Okay, then he moved from North America and he went to Russia and he, he started talking with people in Russia. And when he went to people in Russia, over 90% of the people that he asked, people who teach the Bible, study the Bible, over 90% of the people, when he said, why is the young man hungry? They said, because there was a famine.
Oh, interesting. <laughs> Who said because there was a famine? Anybody, anybody say because there's a famine? Okay. All right. All right. Now, then he went down to the continent of Africa and he started talking with different African countries, people in Africa that teach the Bible. And their response, not because he squandered it, not because there was a famine, but because no one gave him anything to eat. <laughs> now, which view is biblical? All of them. Actually, in the Bible, there is evidence for each one of these points of view in the story of Jesus when he talks about the prodigal son. Now, if each of these three people, if one person from a certain culture said, oh no, I'm going to speak up towards sound doctrine. You are wrong. I am right. It says right here in the Bible that it's because no one gave him anything to eat. You can see how, how sometimes even Christians can disagree on things because our culture has shaped how we view the Bible. Now, when we go and we talk about the truth of God, we go in with cultural humility, being a cultural learner, to say, I want to learn from you, and you can learn from me of what God has already said. Because Jesus' culture, Jesus' culture shapes my view and view. It's what we have in common. And so we search together, and we search what God has to say. So as we search what God has to say, remember, always read the verse in context. If there's one verse and someone says, no, no, it says right here, then you can say, well, let's read that in context, all right? Read the chapter before, read the chapter after, read the whole book of the Bible that it's in, make sure to talk about it in context. And then we listen to God about what God has to say about God, and he'll continue to reveal himself to us in the Bible, all right? So we, we speak up towards those who are insistent and teaching falsely against what the Bible teaches, all right? So why should we speak up? Because false teaching is disruptively dangerous. Who should we speak up against? Teachers who claim Jesus, but just don't teach Jesus, all right? It's not to say that there's anybody that disagrees with us that we dismiss, no, but, but when we look at what God has already told us about God and someone that says, no, 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 let me tell you about it, and it's outside what God has said, that's who we speak up against, all right? So how do we do it? How should we speak up towards sound doctrine, all right? Third question, how should we speak up? Titus said, or Paul says in Titus, he says, the people that are dismissive, they're insubordinate, they teach for shameful gain, they're trying to manipulate you, they look more like the culture than like Christ, they're on their own pathway to abuse religion for profit. He says to them, rebuke them sharply. Rebuke them sharply. To rebuke, elenko, means to state that someone has done wrong with the implication that there is adequate proof of wrongdoing to rebuke and to reproach. It means in the Bible to rebuke, it's used in many different ways. It means, uh, it can mean to rebuke someone in a private matter or a church that's, under, that's acting under their leadership. Uh, the Holy Spirit to, can rebuke us as we read the Bible. Have you ever been rebuked by God himself as you read God's word? Ooh, you're reading the Bible and you're like, yes, yes, yeah. Oh, God, I don't know about that. Have you, has that happened to you? If it hasn't, keep reading. 
Because that's what happens when we get to know God. And all of a sudden, as we get to know God, there's something in us that we go, whoa, that's, whoa, ah, all right? So we can be rebuked by the Holy Spirit, right? It's the work of Jesus in the community we see in Revelation. And when Jesus comes back, there's rebuking as well. Rebuke sharply means to do it severely or rigorously. It's to do so with great precision and urgency, all right? If, if I had a piece of lettuce in between my teeth and I was about to have a conversation with you and I was talking with Pastor Tim, I would want him to tell me, hey, you got something right here. <laughs> All right? I would want him to, to rebuke me and just say, hey, b- by the way, just you want to go, there you go. Okay. I wouldn't want him to, to not do it sharply <laughs> and rigorously. If there's a problem, if you see something, you should say something. I recently went to the doctor. I went to the doctor, and as I'm talking to the doctor, I'm talking about this pain I'm experiencing, and, and the, the doctor just looks at me after I'm all done, and he says, okay, here's your prescription. Here's, this is, it's an easy fix, and I've been in a lot of pain. And he looks at me, and he goes, you know what? You are an idiot. <laughs> I said, oh, what do you mean? And he said, oh, you know what? If you had come here earlier... If you had come here earlier, you wouldn't have complications. You, wouldn't, you would have been able to get medicine earlier. You wouldn't have been in so much pain, and we could have fixed this up a lot quicker. And I thought, that sounds a lot like my wife. <laughs> I mean, my wife had been telling me, you should go to the doctor. Anybody else, any other men struggle to go to the doctor when you should? Or, or women. I did see some people pointing. <laughs> right? Like, if there's a problem, you want it to be addressed right away, all right? And so that's what Titus, because the purpose of rebuke, the purpose of rebuke is not to say, I'm right, you're wrong. The purpose of rebuke, Titus 1.13 says, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Because when you're sound in the faith, that leads to the good life. So the purpose of rebuke is not to feel superior, not to be right, not to prove them wrong, not to shame someone else. It's not to exercise undue power over others. No. That's why we talk about, today we're talking about speak up towards sound doctrine. That you're actually speaking up with a direction towards sound doctrine. It has a purpose. Because where there's sound doctrine, that's where the good life is. The life that's pain-free and secure and stable. So the, the purpose is that they may be sound in the faith. If you want to read more, you can read the following verses on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. There's five different verses, and you can see how sound doctrine is connected to the good life, right? So take a picture, read it, uh, take a screenshot, read it throughout the week, all right? Because as we speak up towards sound doctrine, we realize that where sound doctrine is, so is the good life. Because it's through sound doctrine that we, we see Jesus clearly. We see that we don't have it all figured out. And we also see that we can't do it on our own. And because we can't have a right relationship with God on our own, that's why Jesus died for our sins so that we can be forgiven and rightly restored with our Heavenly Father. That's the connection that we have. And anything that deviates from that is just a pathway down into destruction and defilement. That's not the good life. In fact, Paul concludes in our final section, and he talks about the opposite of sound doctrine. Just just look at this picture of the opposite of sound doctrine. He says, 
not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. The opposite of sound doctrine is teaching that may sound good, but isn't from God. The doctrine may sound good, but it's not from God. Make sure that all teaching comes from God's word. It's what God has to say. Just because most of the time it rhymes doesn't make it true. Just because someone says it with great passion or they're a passionate speaker or they're, they're influential, that doesn't mean that it's sound. And just because there's a lot of other people that have watched the video and clicked like doesn't mean that it's approved by God. That's why he's given us what he has already said. So the opposite of sound doctrine is teaching that may sound good but isn't from God. The opposite of sound doctrine is also teaching that comes from people and not from God. Okay, watch out. that the, the teaching comes from people and not God. It's commands of people instead of commands of God. All right? Sound, the opposite of sound doctrine is teaching that leads people away from the truth of God instead of towards the truth of God. It's, it's used for their own benefit and their own uh, financial gain even. So beware of teaching that leads people away from the truth of God. I recently heard of parents that had been taking advantage of a pastor. And, and what parent doesn't want their kids to do well in school? Parents, you want your kids to do well in school, right? Yeah, of course. And it's really stressful. And so uh, this, this one pastor that I, that I heard of, uh, was selling pencils that had been blessed. <laughs> and if you paid a lot of money for the pencil, and the more money you paid, the better your student would do. And if your student was taking the test and they had a lot of faith, and they studied really hard, then they were going to do well. And, and, or, and that leads people away from the truth of God. Or anyone that comes to you, and maybe this has happened in your home country, to say, oh, God wants you to be happy. He wants you to be rich. He wants you to be well-fed. And if you give 100 dirhams right now, God's going to give you 1,000 dirhams. If someone ever tells you that, it is just a pyramid scheme wrapped up in religion. It takes people away from the truth of God. All right, so that's why we have to read what God has told us about himself. All right, so the opposite of sound doctrine leads people away from the truth of God, and it also attempts to cleanse apart from Jesus. All right? Any doctrine that tries to say that there's another way to God, that if you give more money or you do more good things, and that'll make you right with God, that says that Jesus' death and his resurrection is not enough. And that's not true. We've seen the wages of sin indeed is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, if we don't speak up towards sound doctrine, if we're led astray, sound, false teachers try to capitalize on fears, but actually end up making us feel completely wrong and completely detestable, completely separated from God, because that's any truth that deviates from the truth of Jesus. Well, look what Titus says. It says that it leaves them feeling detestable, 
disobedient, and unfit for any good work. When we don't speak up towards sound doctrine, it leaves the result as being detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. And that's not what we want, is it? I mean, we, we want to be completely acceptable. We want to be reminded that we are completely loved. We want to be obedient to what God has called us to do. We want God to look at us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's our heart. And so we want you to know that the leadership of fellowship, we take this really seriously. And the book of Titus is written first and foremost to church leaders. And so we have a, a, a feedback system where anybody who teaches God's word, that there is full feedback from the other leaders and other uh, pastors. Also, know that we encourage dialogue. In fact, if you disagree with this message, we encourage dialogue. I'll be outside. I would love to talk with you uh, about it. And also know that as you go, part of my role as a teaching elder is, is to be able to equip you to make a decision, to you to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because what we, the request, if you're watching YouTube, is to say, can you give me a list of approved sources that I can watch and a list of approved sources that are dangerous? And that is impossible with the hundreds of resources, even, look, even checking out all of these on the screen, that seems like it would take a lifetime. <laughs> and yet there are so many more. So because of that, there are eight questions that we have for you. You can download these eight questions to ask. They're based from this passage we just talked about, about how to evaluate teaching when you're on YouTube. So if you're on YouTube, there's going to be a link, and you can evaluate these questions. Share them with your friends. Scan the QR code. You can download the mobile-friendly uh, picture that will have these eight questions for you. And these eight questions uh, will help you to listen and ask God these questions. Say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, judge this according to what you've told me, okay? So here's how to evaluate false teaching online, all right? Number one, the first question. Is the teacher submissive to authority? And if so, what authority? Or are they on their own? Number two, is their fruit, uh, is the fruit of their teaching mostly upsetting or is it settling? You know, some people teach just for the clicks. They just want to get, get you to click and subscribe. All right? What seems to be their motivation? Again, if they tell you to give more money and you'll get more money, what could be their motivation? All right? Does the teaching look like Jesus' kingdom culture? Does it look like Jesus? Is the teaching from the Bible in the context of the chapter or the book? Or is it just one verse that is ripped out of context and then used and abused for their own work? All right? Are the commands from humans or are the commands from God's? Does the teaching align with the character and the nature of the God you know in the Bible or does it deviate from that? And last, and this is a big one, and if there's one question, if there's two questions, it's these last two, seven and eight. Uh, does the teaching affirm or deny the person and the work of Jesus? Ask yourselves those eight questions. That's why we have created this uh, for you to download, for you to share with your friends. So scan the QR code. You can refer back to this as you, so that you can ask God these questions because we don't want to listen to fake news, do we? We don't want to fall prey to, to some sort of false teaching deep fake or to think that some other leader or teacher is really attractive at first, but then they've led us astray. 
I want you to know, Fellowship is one of many excellent churches in Dubai that believe the same thing about this. There's so many good churches that just want to teach the Bible. And, and so if, if Fellowship, if the 11 o'clock service is too crowded and you find another church, that, that's great. Ask yourself these questions of the teaching of the church that you hear. Because there's lots of great churches in the UAE. We at Fellowship, we want to be a church that leads everyone into the good life, the life with Jesus. We want to be a church that we go out and instead of having to wonder or wander around, that we can have our feet solid on the rock of Jesus. That we can see this good life that he has in store for us. And so I look forward to, as we go out, as we are bombarded with a myriad of chat GPT prompts and YouTube ads, and as our heads are spinning around, that God gives us a framework for us to say, ah, I know what the framework is as we walk in the good life together. And that's rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word that you have for us. We thank you for this reminder. There's so much out there. There's so much that claims to be true. Simply open up our eyes to your truth. Our heart wants to follow you. Our heart wants to connect with you. Our heart longs for sound doctrine to walk in the good life. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, a spirit that stirs us and shapes us, a spirit that convicts us even rebukes us as we read your word. And Father, help us to listen to you about you. <laughs> and we thank you for this reminder. We thank you that we can be rightly connected to you through Jesus, through his death and his resurrection. We thank you that in this world that seems to be confusing, of we don't know what to trust. We're thankful that you've led us to the person of truth, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray all of these things through the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's sing.